So a 23-year-old guy who had been using heroin since he was 15 comes into clinic and he's asking for help. He was in a pretty rough state when I met him and he walks in and we're able to hook him up with some solid social support services that he was in need of. But as a third-year medical student, what was really frustrating to me is that we weren't able to provide him the medications that he needed and that were available to him. In my view, it takes incredible activation energy to overcome the entrenched behavior and come into clinic asking for help. My name is Will Hockett. I'm a third-year medical student here at OHSU. I'm joined by Kate Rodman, who's a second-year medical student here at OHSU. And she's got some exciting new information to present for us. Kate, what can you tell us about the opioid epidemic? It's something we've all heard about, but what can you tell us? So, as all of us know, as medical students, we're warned constantly about the risks of opioids. And we're cautious, cautioned against ever over-prescribing them to our patients. However, most of us aren't aware of how many lives have already been damaged by opioids. The National Survey on Drug Use and Health annually surveys Americans on a range of drugs. Their data from 2016 reports that almost 12 million opioid misusers over the age of 11. The mass, vast majority of these individuals are misusing prescription pain relievers that they were prescribed either by a doctor or were able to get from friends and family, while the minority of people are using heroin. With so many using opioids, overdose has become common. Drug overdose is now the leading cause of accidental death in the United States. The CDC reports that in 2016, over 63,000 Americans died due to drug overdose. And of these, 66% involved opioids. For statistics a little closer to home, there are almost 1,000 hospitalizations due to overdose and 287 deaths in the state of Oregon in 2017. It's worth noting that there has actually been a decline in overdose-related deaths in Oregon since 2011, which could be due to the increasing availability of Narcan. Even though we have become much more aware of addiction and are working to decrease opioid prescriptions and increase availability of things like Narcan, overdose deaths are rising in the United States. Thanks for sharing that info. Um, it does strike close to home, and I'm glad you brought up that Oregon information. I know that I've had to go to more funerals for friends who have OD'd than were in Iraq or anything else. So it's something that affects us all. And I think you were telling me before we started recording that it's almost 10 deaths a year, or sorry, 10 deaths a month in the city of Portland right now. And so we know about these, the data, but what are we going to do to address it? So what we can do is provide treatment. Many of in individuals who use opioids rely on emergency departments as their main source of medical care. They do not have a regular PCP, and many of them have had negative interactions with healthcare providers in the past that are will, will limit their willingness to come into an outpatient clinic. Because of these factors, the ED may be the only chance to actually engage them in treatment, and this re is a reality that has not gone unnoticed. In 2015, Dr. Gail D'Onofrio from Yale conducted a randomized clinical trial to investigate the impacts of initiating medication-assisted therapy, sometimes called MAT, in the ED for opioid misuse. Patients were randomized to one of three treatment arms, which were 
One was screening and a referral to a community treatment center. One was screening, a brief intervention, and then a referral to a community treatment center. And lastly, the screening with the brief intervention, but then they would get an ED-initiated treatment with Suboxone and a referral for a 10-week follow-up with the drug. Results showed that patients who receive Suboxone induction while in the ED are more likely to be engaged in long-term treatment at 30 days than if they were only given a referral to a treatment and community or underwent a brief intervention. These patients also reduced the number of self-reported days of opioid use and their use of inpatient induction addiction treatment services. Thanks, Kate. That's a really exciting study that's gotten a lot of press. Um, but can you take us back a step and review some of the farm principles that are being applied here? Sure. So the two most common treatment options are buprenorphine and methadone. Both drugs interact with the mu receptors, which most of us know from our studies are the opioid receptors we have in our bodies, to reduce cravings and any additional opioid use. However, these medications have different pharmacological profiles. Buprenorphine is a partial antagonist of the mu opioid receptor that was developed in 1978. In the United States, it is approved to treat opioid abuse disorder and the treatment of severe chronic pain. Buprenorphine also has a greater affinity for the mu receptor than morphine, meaning that it's more potent. However, it has a lower intrinsic activity. These two factors, a high affinity with a low activity, makes buprenorphine an attractive treatment option. Due to it being a partial agonist, buprenorphine has a ceiling effect, which means that there comes a point at which you can get no greater benefit from higher doses. The ceiling provides a lower potential for abuse. So if someone is trying to take it to get high, they wouldn't be able to because they've already reached the maximum ability of the drug. Buprenorphine is a component of Suboxone, which is a name you may also hear. Suboxone is the combination of buprenorphine with a mu receptor antagonist naloxone, also known as Narcan. Sorry, I know there's a lot of names. Also, being a competitive antagonist, naloxone will dislodge any opioids that are in the patient's system at that time, so administration can precipitate withdrawal. The addition of naloxone decreases the risk of abuse. Methadone, on the other hand, is a synthetic opioid agonist of the mu opioid receptor, first developed in the 1930s and has been used to treat opioid use disorder for decades. It is actually included in the World, World Health Organization's list of essential medications. Methadone is a full agonist, so it does not have a ceiling effect, and due to this also has a greater potential for abuse. Which leads me to some of the laws regarding prescriptions. I won't dive too deep into these, but I do want to provide a brief overview of legal restrictions of these drugs. Laws regarding this can often be intricate and confusing. Methadone, for example, can only be prescribed on a day-by-day -day basis. This is done to combat concerns over abuse. Because methadone is an opioid at the end of the day, it can be abused for its effects. As you can imagine, this law can make getting treatment difficult for anyone who has work, family, or other responsibilities to manage because they have to go in every single day to get treatment. This is one of the reasons that buprenorphine is an attractive option as it can be prescribed for longer periods of time. However, it is not without restrictions. Physicians must receive training in an X waiver in order to prescribe buprenorphine. In the first year of their X waiver, a provider can only prescribe to 30 patients. This number can be increased to 100 after the first year, but that's still not a lot of individuals. As you can imagine, this is an obstacle for providers who want to prescribe but have already reached their annual cap. 
Thanks, Kate. That was a great review. We've talked about the study, we've talked about some of the pharmacology, and then we've talked about some of the complications that come from being a prescriber. I find it really frustrating because I can give patients as many opiates as I can, but I'm literally limited based on the amount of buprenorphine I can prescribe. With that in mind, what are we going to do about it? How are we going to embrace this research? Well, based on current trends and study results, emergency departments across the country are recognizing that they are in a position to intervene in opioid addiction. For example, the state of California has created the California Bridge Program. This program encourages EDs in California to offer treatment to patients who present in withdrawal or for the desire in the desire of treatment. The program allows any participating ED to receive funding and support for starting a buprenorphine methadone induction program. They provide guidelines to building a program with helpful tips, troubleshooting, and an easy-to-use treatment algorithms. Over 30 California EDs have already launched a program. And at our home institution, OHSCO, we're also beginning our own program, which we'll be launching this spring. In addition to prescribing buprenorphine in the ED, we'll have a brick-and-mortar clinic on campus where the patient can come and receive long-term treatment. This is a great opportunity for continuity of care from our ED directly to the outpatient setting. Well, that sounds great, Kate. I'm really excited to hear about that getting off the ground and look forward to having you back to talk about the results.